When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. I'm sitting here with the greatest music producer of all time, Big Block Spencer, and the yep. greatest NFL running back in human history, Veron Haynes, Super Bowl champ. Hey, Veron, I'm thinking about, uh, we were playing golf one time, and I was like, man, do you ever sit around and think about uh, the fact that you won the Super Bowl with the Steelers, and you looked at me and you're like, no. <laughs> never. It never happened. It was a moment, and it's great. And I was like... Yeah, no, and it's and it's like I think that's part of what being a big timer is is you know constantly setting goals and uh, constantly looking to the future, not resting on your laurels. And today we have a person who's an an amazing big timer who definitely fits yep. that bill, Doctor Trey Penny. He is a that's former right. police sergeant, college professor, uh, and he's uh, he's running for the United States Congress. He's joining us today. Trey Penny, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the show. Of course. Thank you. So you obviously have a lot going on in your life, and uh, we happen to know that you're a big-timer. Share with our audience your story and uh, your journey to the great success that you've achieved so far. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I want to uh, – first, first of all, thank you guys for having me on, but, you know, I, I really want – all the young people to realize that that real life is just not scripted. I mean, you can't put it together. Um, I, I'm glad to now be at a point to where I can run for Congress. But guys, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, about a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually, when I first decided I was going to run for Congress, I had a, I went down to D.C. Obviously, I know a lot of different different strategists and whatnot. And, and they're telling me all this political stuff about, uh, oh, Trey, we think you're a great guy. And uh, but look, this is what the Republican Party is doing. Um, you, you know, we, we want to make sure. I mean, kind of almost giving me the background about the, the black narrative. Like, uh, you know, it, it's the um, you know, it's the fatherless households that that continue to, to to make these kids bad and things going wrong in their communities. And um, I think you're, you're a great person to tell that story. And I'm like, uh I, I just wouldn't know nothing about it because my daddy wasn't in the household. So, you know, for me, for me, it was like, you know, it was it was a shock because, uh, you know, we have these narratives that are out there. But for me, I was raised by, by my grandmother and, and I like to believe that Big Mama did a good job. Uh, but that is not the reality. So I, I do want to talk about uh, a little bit about uh, content over context. You know, young people. Uh, there is a lot of content out there, a lot of content and people absorb and take in whatever whatever is uh, just kind of sitting out for them to grab, but they got to be context with all this information. And I say that to say, uh, for me, somebody that grew up in inner city, I grew up in uh, Northside, Houston, Texas, Acres Home. Uh, they big block, big block, uh, say, you know, my, know my community. Uh, 
Yeah, no, no. I came from real humble beginnings. You know, my, my mom, um, you know, she was she was one of those parents that worked uh, multiple jobs. Um, you know, I was a young, young, young kid. We lived in a project, a 790 project. So um, it was a lot going on. Actually, I saw the first person, uh, the first person I ever seen get killed, get killed outside my apartment complex, uh, outside my window um, when I was 10 years old in the project. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's something that, that um, you know, this stuff happens in the inner city. It happens all the time. Uh, but I was at a point in my life where my mom had a lot going on. Uh, my father was abusive, abusive drug addict. She didn't want him in the house. Um, and at a certain point, he was, you know, he was in the street so bad to where he just left on his own. And my mom couldn't take care of me. And my grandmother didn't end up being the one to take me in. So, um, now I'm very appreciative of that, of that situation. Like I said, I can't tell anybody anything bad about, uh, about those that do have fathers that are raising them. I mean, we want good fathers in the household, uh, but the mothers and grandmothers that are, that are doing the, uh, that are doing that job right now today, man, you guys yes. can raise your, you can raise these kids to be whatever you want them to be. And I didn't just didn't have those opportunities. Like I said, you know, we're talking about, uh, actually growing up. Actually, growing up, really a big part of my my life was in, in the nineties. Um, well, there was a lot of radical influences. I mean, it was, you know, the we had the, we had the dope the dope game was real heavy back then. We had, um, you know, it, it was, we had the radical uh, agenda. You know, everybody hating the police. It was like, you know, this, this, look, this is this is the boys in the hood day. This is the you know police type thing. You know, this was real. You know, this was our reality. And those of us that didn't really have. Uh, you know, interaction with law enforcement, that was a real thing. You know, it was like, you know, forget the police. We don't want them here. But at the same time, we were being victimized at a, at a, at the highest level uh, in the country at the time. Matter of fact, in my community, we had more murders uh, and more victimizations in, in Nagas home at the time than they did in L.A. And L.A. had criminal gangs. They had the Crips and Bloods. So it was it was uh, that was that was a real big thing. Uh, actually, President President Bush actually came here. President uh, you know, George W. Bush came and launched his war on drugs from uh, from the park across the street from my grandmother's house. Uh, that's how bad that was back then. But um, look, I say that to say we got all we had all these different influences, radicalized agendas. Uh, anytime a police officer did something, people were quick uh, to protest, organize a protest late in the afternoon so they can you know tear down the city. That was that was just the reality. But uh, you know, we were all taught to be these these uh, these advocates, the advocates, activists, whatever you want to call them. And I, and I say that to say that everyone's an, an advocate until they become a victim. And and, from, uh, and I had I had to become one of those victims. I had to go through it myself. Um, at the age of sixteen, I, I witnessed my cousin get killed in front of me the day before her wedding day. You know, the whole family out there, the whole family saw it. Um, you know, but, you know, their response was was like we see all the time in the hood is, you know, hands off. You know, I didn't see nothing. I don't know him. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I just know him by, uh, man, he's just some guy, some guy we know. I don't really know him. But like I said, it was a family friend. Everybody knew who it was. But, you know, that was kind of a shock for me. That just told me that, you know, the, the you know, that whole environment wasn't for me. It was nothing there for me. And look, nobody was planning out, you know, an opportunity for Trey to go to college or, uh, uh, you know, for me to do anything. Man, I'm telling you, I was strategizing. I was trying to figure out how to get out. Like, man, this ain't nothing here for me. Everybody in the streets, everybody, either you locked up, people, you know, locked up, dead, whatever. But I have to get out. 
And uh, so, how did how did you come how did you come from an environment where uh, you didn't have a father in the household? You're living in 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 the tough streets. There's violence, obviously, going around, and yet you managed to get your doctorate in education and become a police officer. Talk to us about how you willed yourself out of that environment and into the success that you had. Yeah, no, my look, my first opportunity was I had to do the first uh, controversial thing anybody could have done at that time, and, and for me, that was joining the army. Uh, I was 17 years old. I, like I said, I didn't have no options. There was no options for me. And uh, you know, I told I told my grandma. She found out the day of what I was going to do, and I was like, you know, big mom, I gotta go. And uh, you know, she she signed, helped me, you know, helped me get in, and and uh, I went to the army. And, and I, I would say uh, leaving was difficult because I had never been outside of my community. All I knew was was that you know I didn't know nothing but this. But think about this. I don't know if you know the dynamics of Houston, but back then the North Side. Didn't even go to the south side. That's how crazy it was. Like it was just, it was a different environment back then. So uh, right, all I knew was my community. That was it. And uh, Swiss House. Yeah, what's that block? Swiss House. Yes, sir. Yeah, you see that? That's <laughs> no, but that, that was the reality of it. You know, I needed a, a way out. I joined the military, and you know, the whole time I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to become a police officer. The, the situation. Uh, my cousin getting killed like the worst time in my life, but it was also the most inspirational time because uh, I said I wanted to do what those guys did for me. You know what they? I mean, you you guys. I mean, I, I every time I talk about the situation, I get emotional. But the the thing is, is uh, the police officer that that was there that that was a great influence. And you know what? These guys didn't look like me. I think that was probably the most probably the most the most impressionable impressionable thing I'd ever seen because it, it's not it was it was not indicative of what I had heard my whole life. You know, like these people were out there, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just something different. It was like they were not to get me. Uh they were really trying to help. And uh that was my inspiration to say, you know, I'm gonna be a police officer. So I started crafting it. I started reinventing myself. I went to college when I was in the military. Um not, not necessarily, not necessarily going to college by you're in the military. Look, you're going to college between field problems. Right. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was in the field most of my time. So, uh, look, I got my associate degree in my first job with the Dallas Police Department, and I uh, got hired in 1999. And uh, look, that was like the catalyst, you know, as an as an activist, as a uh, been entrenched in education. The military provided me an opportunity to have that education, so I became like a career student. And, uh, you know, ultimately that led to all the opportunities that, that you know, especially the education opportunities. And I ended up going to going to Texas Tech and getting my doctorate in, in higher ed. I know it's a mouthful, guys. No, 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 no. So coming from Dallas, well, with Houston, and um, and we're looking at, like, like, the social media thing, right? Let's let's skip up a little bit. Um. What you personally think about, you know, the social media with the kids, the influence, um, like what you see or what or what your two cents that you could put in for the social media part with the kids, the influence? Look, young people got to be mindful of what they're seeing, what they're taking in on social media. You, know, you got to realize yeah. that this this is a business, right? So everybody on here trying to make money, they're trying to get likes and clicks. And the reality is you may get a, a partial 
uh, maybe a, fra- a fragment of a story. And, you know, you taking that in, you might be you might think that's reality, but it's not, you know. So, look, I, I try to tell young people just to be just to be smart, you know, do your research. Yeah. You know, don't get don't get caught up into these different narratives that are out here. Right. Some people yeah. some people don't even care. They don't care about these kids. You think about all these protests that we saw from, you know, uh, 2000 to 2022. They don't care about them kids. Yeah. Man, them kids go out there and get killed. Yeah. They get, you know, whatever. They don't care. I mean, it's about their agenda. It's about their their narrative. So I, I would say young people, you know, be smart. You know, them people don't, they don't care about you. They, they worried about, you know, what they can get, what kind of influences they can have. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's our, our teens that are going to, that are going to suffer. You know, they're the ones, you know, once you get this stuff on your record or once you go out here and you get yourself hurt, that's it. It's over. That's, that's the game. So I want young people the message- to talk about that. Yeah, the message out there seems to always be that you can't accomplish because the system is stacked against you. But here you came from limited means and you be, you got a Ph.D. in education. How did you do that? I mean, kids today are out there looking and they're saying, well, you know, I, I come from a broken home. I live in the hood. I don't have any money, so I can't accomplish anything in this world. Yet you did it. How did you do it? So people, it's easy for people to, to, to make you feel bad, make you feel sorry for yourself. But, you know, you got to be thinking, you got to be thinking outside of the box. You know, you got to always be looking at how can I reinvent myself? You know, what's the, the next thing I can I can get? And you know what? And let me say this. Success is not always about money. You know, yeah, you could be you could be rich and be the most miserable person in, in this in this world. You could be they can give me a million dollars today. And then they tell me I'm going to die tomorrow. You know what? That million dollars don't mean nothing to me now because now I ain't got time. So I need that time back so I can spend with my family, so I can help somebody else. So I tell young people, look, take your time. You know, this life going to be here. Live it right. You know, your success is what you create for yourself. You know, don't allow the situation to dictate your outcome. Your situation, they're, they're momentary, right? They're momentary until you find a way out. But I use this acronym, right? I, I know a lot of people might might not even accept it the way I accept it, but you know, you see people that when they when they need something, they have their hand out, right? I need this. I need that. I would tell young people, hey, let's transform that need into something else. Let's make it mean something, right? Rather than you have your hand out, allow that to allow that to be something to empower you. Your need, what is that? Network, education, experience, and discipline. Those are the things that are going to allow you to go go off and, and get what you want to get because that's for you. That's not for nobody else, but you to build your family, your generation, your generational wealth, whatever that is. That's your need. Dr. Penny, how did you afford to go to school? I'm assuming where you came from, the, the, the school system was probably not the best. And so you probably uh, you know, didn't have access to the best education. And yet you got a Ph.D. from college. How did you do that? How did you get the requisite skill set to be able to apply to college how did you afford to go to college? And then how did you ultimately get a PhD? And now we call you Dr. Penny. Let me say first, thank God for the United States Army. <laughs> yeah. Because look, Uncle Sam took care of me. <laughs> like I had to go. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, I did not realize. And, and the whole time, like you said, I didn't know uh, how to apply to college. I didn't even know how I was going to be a police officer. I knew that I couldn't be a police officer coming from the community that I came from. Right. I knew uh, man, you, funny story, funny story, man. When I was, when I tried to get hired on with the Dallas Police Department, right, <laughs> they would ask me about my dad, and I didn't want to tell them. Like, I was like, man, I don't know this cat. 
Man, they wouldn't follow my daddy, man. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. They wouldn't follow wow. him, man. You know, but, you know, I was, I was, a, you know, I was trying to, you know, hide from his, you know, his criminal past and his drug addiction. And, you know, and they found him. And I just told the investigator, like, man, I'm sorry. You know, I just, I didn't want his life to impact me. You know, it was like, I'm, I'm not that person. And it was like, we just got to know everything about you and, and what you know. I knew he was out there in the streets. I just, I really didn't know where he was. <laughs> but they would have found him, man. God, but, but I said that to say, man, look, the, the, the military allowed me an opportunity to to go to school. And once I got in, it was just really about me, about, you know, the research I needed to do. Okay, how do I do my financial aid? Um, you know, the military provided me with, with tuition assistance to go at the time. And those that, that if you go fill out, your, fill out, you know, complete your term, you're going to get the GI Bill. So, you have unlimited education if you go to the military. If you don't, you're just a, just an, an academic student that just want to, you know, that just do well. Uh, but you just go apply, complete your application, and and, and go to school. Um, and sometimes, like I said, it's it's the way that they're doing school right now. It's easy for people to get education, right? There's so many early college education programs and dual credit. It's just incumbent upon the kid to do it, and, and a big part of it comes from high school. So if you're if you're an academic performer in high school, if you're doing well, you can go at 15, you can go and register for, for as a concurrent enrolled student at these colleges and start taking classes in your off time. That's essentially what I Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's actually a really important topic that we should spend more time discussing on this show is this idea that people feel like, well, I don't have anything. I can't go to school and I can't get an education. And I'm always like, I didn't have anything either. I mean, I had to, you know what I mean? I had to work. I earned money. I then paid for school. And then I, when I went to um, medical school, I borrowed that money. Uh, And then I paid that money back after I got out and I did it by not going out to dinner and not buying nice clothes and nice shoes and not having a nice car and not having, I mean, I did that for a very long time. I didn't really start, you know, really making any kind of decent, decent wage until I was 40 years old, but you, you know, know and I mean, young people that though, young people, that's why we, convince them of that. Uh, and that's why we have to start having the conversation, right? right? right. Is, is it, they got to understand that you got to make sacrifices in life to achieve. And, you know, you don't just look at somebody and go, Oh, well they had money or they had opportunity or whatever. It's like, no, people have to work and sacrifice and there's ways to do things and if I could encourage any young person out there to understand that the, the world is your oyster. This country affords so many opportunities. You're living proof of that. You, you know, came from a, a broken uh, neighborhood, you know, no father in the, in the mix and managed to achieve great things. Big block, same thing. Veron. I mean, you guys are all big timers and none of you had it handed to you on a silver platter. I know your guys story, your backstory real well. And you guys, you know, are the type of people that are just like, I wanted to make a change for myself and for my family. That's what we see a lot is, is you know, like Block will talk about it. I was like, what what got you to, to straighten your game out? And he's like, I didn't want my kids to have to go through what I went through. And that's a great motivator, you know. And I look at my, I look at my kids today and I, I think to myself how gratifying is how much joy I have in my life knowing that my kids don't have to, experience the same things that I had to experience. You know, they, they have an easier road, but I'm still trying to teach them that in order to have true f- fulfillment in this life, they have to make their own way. 
you know, Varan talks about his kids. The biggest challenge they have is when the Uber Eats doesn't show up on time. You know, I mean, it's it's a different scenario, but yet his kids are amazing. I mean, they're they're smart. They're you know, they're um, they're motivated. They're making their own way in this world and accomplishing things. Same thing with Block's kids. I mean. Malik just made the the all league uh, at Michigan State oh, wow. as a sophomore. I mean, yeah, I mean, huge stuff. And it's like, it's like, and I know, I know, all of us on this podcast, we want this for every one of our viewers out there that you can have this. Uh, you just got to put the work in. You know, it's not easy, and it's not, uh, you know, it's not a smooth ride. But but you got to put your head down, do the work, and you can accomplish, Doctor Penny. You know, you're running for Congress right now. I mean, from the hood to running from Congress to running for Congress, and and as Doctor Penny, I mean, that's a pretty amazing uh, road. Talk to me about how your faith uh, gave you strength and power and direction to be able to accomplish. Yeah, no, look, that that's that's a big part. Really, that's all you have when you don't have anything else. All you got is faith, man. I I hit my knees so many times, you know, praying for. You know, sometimes you could be humbled by a situation. Something just hurts you so bad to where all you can do is cry out. And I've been there several times. And and you know, and, and out of you know, out of nowhere, you know, uh, you'll get a sign from something, some kind of relief that'll just come to you. So, uh, you know, I can't tell anybody what to believe, but my faith, man, my faith is. is I have to believe because I've, I've come through so many obstacles. I've been through so much. And, but I'm a preacher, God. I'm look. I'm in no way, shape, form, or fashion complaining about the the stuff I had to go through in life. I think everything I've been through has, has built me up for this. I think it's it has conditioned me. Um, you know, my faith, my 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 family. I raised, you know, I have my own family. All my kids are, are college graduates, right? My daughter, my baby girl, she just finished. She's a uh, absolutely yes. All I'm with the Texas Tech. Everybody at Texas Tech, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, she's a nurse, a registered nurse. And, and I say this is about gener- generation, right? My generation went through it. I had to carry the load so, you know, so my kids didn't have to do it. And, and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you go through and you look at all these different ge- generations from my parents, my grandparents. You know, they had to go through their situation for them to, just, you know, for whatever they thought they were doing that was right. They had to learn. And, and I'm still learning. Right. I'm saying I'm still learning. Young people, you're still learning. You know, don't give up on this life. You know, I think a lot we have to start talking a little bit more about mental health and how young people are being manipulated. Uh, I mean, I, I was looking at some other day. They were talking about all these young people that have uh, committed suicide. You know, and I'm like, man, there's nothing, nothing that's stressful in this world, man. You can get over it. You know, you can give yourself time to, you know, just time to sit back and reflect on what's going on. Then you just think about navigating, think about how you can manipulate it and and go a different direction if that's the case. So anyway. Veron, Veron, what do you think about Dr. Penny's take on that? I love it. I mean, he, he has great insight. For, for, for one, I want to say, let me, let me go back. Dr. Penny, thank you for your service. I mean, I say that in all, in all honesty. Yes, you know, Amen. a lot of us take for granted these simple freedoms that it's not so free in this, in, in this U.S. of A., Right. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your service. I commend you on that. Uh, next thing, you, you do work with the Fallen Officers Foundation. Right. And I want you to yes, sir. talk to our audience and kind of make some some similarities there of families Like you guys are families oriented too. you guys are human beings just like them. 
Can you explain to our audience the uh, similarities? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm actually the president of the of the Texas Fallen Officer Foundation and the National Fallen Officer Foundation. Uh, but essentially, these groups were formed out of, uh, you know, as a police officer, I lost a lot of friends in the line of duty. A lot of police officers were killed doing their job. And what ends up happening, like I say, we do great funerals. You know, we lay these officers to rest. Uh, but the reality is, you know, it's, it's the widows. Like after the fact, if they're, if they're kids, it's, you know, they're kind of having to carry this, this burden on their own. So kind of what I did with the foundation, like I said, a lot of these officers were my friends. I connected with their, with their wives. And uh, it just kind of morphed into, you know, an organization where, you know, throughout the year we do special things for these families, take them to. This past week, we just took all the uh, all the survivors to see the uh, Nutcracker, a ballet. Yeah, yeah, you got you got Trey in the ballet. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> but it was good, man. It was good to have all the families out there, man. And, and uh, but I, I say that to say, you know, all the things that, that a lot of these families may not have had an opportunity to do, I want to be able to you know, give them that access. Right. And that's why I'm connecting with uh, people across the country. And, and that's more so with, with the low, with the Texas group, but nationally it's all about the advocacy, right. It's advocating for public safety It's advocating for, um, you know, policy to protect our families, no matter, not just police families, but community as a whole. Right. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of broken policies in DC. Congress didn't, didn't, didn't get anything done. Uh, so as an advocate, I would, you know, I'm coming down there to talk about public safety, things we can do to fix, you know, the, the current climate right now. Right. If we if we're going to be concerned about mobs. OK, how about we put something in place? Look, there's a there's a, uh, a U.S. code that outlines what domestic terrorism is. Right. Just by definition. Right. These are it's groups that use force and intimidation for the purposes of changing governmental policy. OK, we know that Congress knows it. But the reality is there are no penalties associated with that behavior. So you're going to have a lot more people engaged in that type of behavior. And it's just going to get worse and worse because, you know, we're bogged down in political nonsense and nothing is happening. So all of our families are at risk. If you're a business owner, you think about protecting your business, your business is going to be at risk. Your family, you think about shopping at the mall. We just saw it down here in Houston. You want to go shop at the mall? Now you got to worry about craziness going on because, you know, we just don't have the policies. We don't have the policies. The DAs can flex and just, you know, uh, at a whim decide not to give, you know, to do this cashless bill thing and to let violent offenders out. And guess what? They get out and they go fend new people. So um, we have some real issues that we have to address in this country. So that's it in a nutshell from for for. Uh, the National Fallen Officer Foundation, just being an advocate for real policies and, and trying to protect families, protect police families and protect the general public as a whole. I say, Trey. Yes, sir. Hey, um, yeah, I know where you're from over there in Houston. Hey, so <laughs> how the hell you start of trouble? You know what? I'm going to say, no, 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 no. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it wasn't easy, man. God, it wasn't easy. But I, I say this, it, it, a big part of it comes to the grounding, you know. So I, I did, you know. I so had, grandmama uh, did that? Huh? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so grandmama did that. Grandmama did that. Now, keep in mind, there was only so much she could do because it was grandma. And we had about 18 people living in this one bedroom house. But at the end of the day, man, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher of other guidance. I mean, she saw something in me that I didn't see. 
Uh, you know, I think, I think I told you guys about my cousin Jackie. You know, Jackie was like my big sister. And, um, you know, that situation just kind of – that kind of changed the game for me. Um, yes. You know, because I was doing a whole lot of stuff in, in the streets that she didn't want me involved in. And, uh, you know, when that deal happened, I just said, nah, you know, I can't – I got to make sure that I'm, I'm – uh, at least live up to the legacy that she wanted for me. You know, it's interesting, Dr. Penny, you were talking about all of the problems we're having on the political level that our leaders are not uh, really protecting us, uh, that we have a lot of rogue DAs right now that are not enforcing the laws on the books. And that, that is a huge problem. You know, as somebody who studied world history for a long time, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time reading, you know, about Rome, uh, you know, about the history of the world. Um, I was listening to uh, Shane Gillis talk about if you can't stop reading about American history in World War II, that's early onset Republican. <laughs> he said, you might not be there yet, but it's coming. And I think that's pretty funny because I, it, when you understand the fact that the world has been on fire uh, forever, it always is. And it's because it's run by human beings and human beings are fallible people. We're all, we're all subject to sin uh, and we're all subject to failing. And so one of the important things about being a big timer is, big timer is recognizing that th- there's good and bad in everyone and that there aren't people that are all good or all bad, meaning, you know, police officers. Are there some bad apples? Absolutely. But for the most part, not. But that's true of doctors, lawyers, uh, music producers, you know, NFL football players. I mean, human beings are flawed individuals. And so sometimes as individuals, we can get, overwhelmed by the enormity of the problems out there. And my father used to teach me, you can't change the world necessarily. You can't control all the things that are happening about there, but what you can control is your own behavior and your own actions. And you can take care of the people next to you and touch the people next to you. And if we all spent some time doing that, and I think that's what we try to do on the doc and the block podcast is we're just trying to share some wisdom with some young people so that they don't make the same mistakes that we made Maybe they can benefit from some of the mistakes that we made and also benefit from some of the good choices that we made and, and, and understand that there is opportunity out there. And it was Western civilization based on Judeo-Christian values that gave the concept that every individual had value and that human life has value. And it's really important. You can sit around and complain about our country. And I know there's a lot of that going around these days. But at the end of the day, despite all its flaws, it's the best society in human history that's ever existed. And if you just take the bull by the horns, opportunities are there for you. You can accomplish anything in this world. And I really want to just encourage all of our listeners out there to don't buy into the hype that you're a victim or that you can't achieve or that your circumstances will prevent you from achieving success. We bring people on this show every day that are, that have faced uh, unbelievable obstacles and have been uh, very successful in their lives. And not only that, but they achieve success on their own and then they give back. You know, you, you, you came and joined our show today and you've got a lot going on in your life. We're so appreciative of that. Um, You're absolutely a big timer. Uh, I would like you to share with our audience uh, social media and where where people can reach you to find out more about you. We understand you are running for Congress. Give us some information about that so our listeners can follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People can learn more about me at um, uh, pennyforcongress.com. That's P-E-N-N-I-E for congress.com. I'm on all social media platforms on the Trey Penny. Uh, My phone number's right there. My real phone number's on there. So, look, I, I... 
I travel the country talking to talking to people about my story, about things we can do to help improve communities and, and help communities strengthen themselves. Uh, so my real number's there. Call me anytime, text me, whatever. I'm always available. Uh, the reality is it's going to take uh, a, a real cooperative effort, effort amongst everyone in this country to get us on track. And it's not just about me. Look, I'm, I'm running for Congress because I've done everything from the outside. I've done it as an advocate. I've been to Congress more times working with congressional and Senate leaders trying to get policy done and have, and have, have hit roadblocks at every angle. Uh, now we can't we can't rely on that. We, we have to actually get something done, uh, especially as our country, like you said, our country continues to crumble uh, in front of us. So we, we have to do something and I'm ready to do it. Yeah, and as they say, we are the heroes that we're waiting for, which means we need to all take control of our own lives, be good to one another, keep trying to do good uh, for the country, for yourselves, for your family. And in the end, things will always work out because that's the big timer creed. No excuses. Uh, now, just to let you guys know, I'm in Vegas right now. I'm going to be in the corner with Cody Durden yeah. this weekend. So we're going to be on the main fight card at UFC 269, I think it is. Uh, but, uh, anyway, um, look for me in the corner. I know, uh, blocks, uh, Malik just, uh, made all league at Michigan state. That's amazing. Veron, uh, Alabama defeated Georgia. That has to be uh, a double-edged sword for you. How you feeling about that, my man? Hey man, listen, I get the best of both worlds, right? I, I see the beauty <laughs> in everything. He, he, he said, he's saying that because I went to Georgia, but my son plays for Alabama. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So I get to see my son move. And anybody that has kids understand that your life became about your kids a long time ago. So it's not about me. It's about him. I'm following his journey and I'm thankful to be in his corner. Amen. Well, I just have to tell you, in my in my personal p- uh, opinion, it's a crime against humanity that Georgia fell out of the top too. four. No team in history that was undefeated, lost the last game of the season, dropped out of the top four. This yeah. is a crime. Uh, but, hey, that's life, right? Look, I don't uh, uh, no excuses. All right, everybody. Dr. Penny, thank you so much for your time. You're a true big timer. You can follow us at docintheblock.com. Big timers, that's B-I-G-timers, T-I-M-E-R's dot org. Follow us for upcoming events. We will see you guys next time. Everybody have an amazing week. We are out. 